Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hey, welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April. Today, I'm gonna talk about something that might be a little upsetting for some people. It's a debate that I will have, just bringing out different sides of an argument that I heard recently um, about whether or not women should be allowed to hold positions of power over men. I was listening to the Brandon Tatum show. He has a radio show. And I was just listening to B. Tatum talk about this on his show. And I'd also come across um, a brief snippet of something that I saw Candace Owens say in the past. And I've listened to some other people comment about this idea of women in the workplace and not having women in roles of leadership, such as like the presidency. And... They shared their ideas and their opinions, and I just wondered, you know, what you guys think about this. So we're going to talk about it. What is a woman's role in the workplace? Just as a reminder, Nurses Out Loud airs Monday through Friday. Our show is on at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 11 p.m. You get a different nurse host every day. And our shows, if you miss them on air, will go to podcast a day after they air. So you can listen on any of your favorite podcasting apps. We hope that you rate and subscribe to our show, get notifications when the new shows come on. And then also visit the americaoutloud.news website if you want to read any of the articles, um, show get any of the show summaries or links to the shows, you can go to that website. And it's not just for our shows. America Out Loud has a lot of great radio hosts who talk about a variety of topics. And just as a reminder also, Nurses Out Loud, we don't just talk about healthcare. We talk about anything and everything. One of the benefits of being on America Out Loud Talk Radio is that none of the hosts are censored. We're allowed to discuss whatever it is that comes to our mind. So you don't have to um, think that this is all just healthcare related. We will talk about anything and everything that comes to mind that's going on around us. So if you guys are interested in any of our, um, supporting any of our sponsors, please go to americaoutloud.shop and there you are gonna find discounts and um, codes that you can use and you'll also see our show sponsors there. And also remember for news, ongoing news, things that are happening all around the world, go to americaoutloud.news for the latest on what's going on in the world. So, as I was saying, I was listening to the Brandon Tatum show a few days ago on the radio as I was driving home, and it was very interesting. He was talking about um, different people who are running for president right now. 
And one of the things that he had mentioned was he did not think that it was a woman's role to be in the, to be president. He felt like men should lead and women should be in the supportive role. They should support. And he was given an example of in his household, he leads his family, but he couldn't do it without his wife's support and encouragement. And so we know Brandon Tatum, if you haven't listened to him um, in the past, he is a conservative. um, He's got his own news show, but I mean, radio show, but he also has his own YouTube channel. That's actually where I first started um, hearing from him was on YouTube. And he is a former police officer and he is very, very open and vocal about his opinions, whether you like them or not. And I I tend to like his opinions and his views. He is unapologetic about his faith. So part of, well, all of what he believes in saying that women's role should not be in a position of leadership over men is coming from um, biblical values, which I do agree with. And so, and that may push some people the wrong way. A little bit of background for you guys. I actually grew up in a Christian family and we went to different denominations. We were we were in the Baptist church. We visit. We would go to the Methodist church. We were um, where else did we go? We went to non-denominational churches. We went to just a variety of different churches. And when I got married the first time, I became a member of the Church of Christ. Now, if you have ever heard of the Church of Christ, or if you're a part of the church, you know that the Church of Christ is very very strict when it comes to the roles of women and men. And I was in the Church of Christ for a very long time. Um, And so a lot of that is obviously ingrained in me as well. That role where a woman is not supposed to teach in front of men. A woman is not supposed to pray in front of men. Um, those Those are things that they believe. A woman is not supposed to have a leadership role over men because God put put men as the head of women. And God is the head of men. So I do believe that um, I am no longer in the Church of Christ. I actually just, long story, but I'm not in in that denomination. I am, if anybody ever wondered, I live in Dallas now. I don't live in Dallas, sorry, but I go to church in Dallas. And um, I've mentioned it in the past, but um, in my church, men are in leadership. Women have leadership roles over different ministries, but we do typically have men who are leading over women, um, teaching our classes, um, praying. Typically it's the men leading prayer and all of that. It's very traditional in that way. I'm perfectly fine with that. In my house, in my family, me and my husband, my husband typically leads us in prayer. He takes on a leadership role. He, of course, he allows me to pray too and encourages me to pray, which is very, very different than what I'm used to. Like for in the beginning of our marriage, I couldn't do it because for so long I had been told that I, it wasn't my place. So it was very hard for me to move past that, that barrier in my mind and to have a voice and to be able to, you know, go to God and speak to God with him in my presence. But this has been years now. I've had years of practice and it's not, it's not hard anymore. I can do it. Um, but there is still a role that I play within my marriage, in my family, where my husband does take the leadership, which means 
that I have strong opinions, as you all know. I have very strong opinions, and my husband is very well aware of my opinions. And he absolutely works alongside me to make decisions for the children, for our family, for our finances, for our future, for everything we want to do. We, we talk about it. We collaborate. But the final decision will rest in his hands. So as an example, um, when we wanted to buy a house, he had these rules in place. And he said, you know, in order for us to get a house, this is when we were first married, we need to be out of debt and we need to have a specific percentage amount to put down on the house first. And we also needed to have an emergency fund because he's very much a Dave Ramsey um, follower. He believes in this idea of um, living debt free. And I love that. It's hard to do, you guys. I promise you, if you haven't tried, it is definitely a difficult thing to do. And we're not always successful at it. I'm not even going to sit here and say that, yes, we have had an opportunity in our life where we were debt-free, woohoo, and it was awesome and amazing, but it was short-lived because then we got a house. So when it came time for us to get a house, my husband was very, very firm on that. And I was upset. Because I wanted to hurry up and get a house. At the time, the market was going crazy. And houses were selling very, very quickly. And the prices were going up. From when I first moved to Texas. When I first moved to Texas in 2011, you could actually get a house built with a pool for $200,000. That market was long gone, long gone. And so I was seeing this going up, the market prices going up and going up. And I was concerned that we were going to end up paying a lot more for a house than I wanted to. And so I finally convinced him because at the time we were, when we first got married, we decided to live in the house that I was living in, which was a rental house. And he was going to sell his house that he had. And, um, so, so we did that and I was like, okay, but this house is too small. We need something bigger. We have six kids and the house was a four bedroom house and it just wasn't enough space. Was it even four? Let me see. One, two. Yeah, it was four bedroom. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of heated conversations, a lot of tears on my part, of course, and a lot of um, discussion of finances, facts, bringing different, um, I had to really come with receipts. Like I had to show them like, this is what the market is doing. This is what the numbers look like. And this is my concern if we wait for, because at the time he was saying we need to have 20% down. First we pay off all our debt. And then on top of that, we have our emergency fund saved, which is like, you have to have like, according to Dave Ramsey, you need to have six months of savings. And then on top of that, we needed to have 20% down payment. I was like, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I could not even see how we were going to be able to come up with that much money that quickly. And so I felt like we would never be able to get out of the, the rental house and into our own house. And I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this story, so just bear with me. So... Finally, we came to an agreement. He decided, he did some of his own research, you know, without me, you know, whispering in his ear or yelling or crying or kicking and screaming and all of the things. 
he went on his own because that's one thing about my husband his personality is you are not going to force me to do anything i don't want to do he will not be moved in that way and so he went on his own and he did his own research and he made a decision that okay this is something that we can do if we go about it in this way so in that in that time it taught me patience it taught me to truly submit to my husband which for me someone who you know i was single i was raising my children on my own i was a business owner at the time i was my own boss and so here i am now in this marriage very very different from my first marriage where in my first marriage i had more of a leadership role and in this new marriage i was not the leader and so it was really a change for me and it was really humbling and it was for me something that god wanted to see me grow in he's you know he's really working on me in that area so there were so many times when i would come across a house and say hey let's do this let's go look at this and and it wasn't even a discussion because we hadn't come to the point financially where we could even start looking and so i'm starting to get panicky and i'm thinking we're going to miss out on all of our opportunities because the market was just going up 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 well he did agree to come down on the down payment percentage after he did more research on what dave ramsey said and and, I, and we came to an agreement that we would do it at least 10%, at minimum 10% down. And so now it was the next you know, several months where we were just focused on saving and, and making better choices and paying down debt and coming up and saying, well, God is good and God made a way for us to be able to do all of those things, pay off the debt, have some savings. And then I promise you guys, to make a long story short, God provided in such a way that the amount of money that we needed for a down payment on the house that we ultimately chose we got like maybe two days before our closing which is incredible and i absolutely know that it was only because god said yes that that happened but that whole process taught me number one that for me to be in a leadership role in our family wasn't a good idea because i am so emotional and I panic and I get anxious and I make impulsive decisions because that's my personality. And I don't know if it's just because that's who I am as a person, and that's the way that God made me, or if it's because I'm a woman. Um, I'm not sure if there's a difference between men and women because I, I used to say, I used to be proud of the fact that I could make decisions using logic and less emotion. I thought I was good at that. And I had people even tell me that I was very, you know, mm, cold and callous when it came to, to, you know, arguments or decisions. I was just like, let's just look at the facts, get the feelings out. Let's just focus on the facts and make a decision from that. I thought that that was the way that I was, but turns out there's a lot of feeling that goes into the decision-making when it comes to you know finances when it comes to raising children when it comes to running business all these things another example as a business owner i make when i compare myself to my male counterparts 
I would say that I am far less successful when it comes to running business because I am so soft. It's hard for me to make those really rigid choices, for instance, and as an example, one of the things that happens in healthcare, and you guys are all very familiar with this, is that you have out-of-pocket expenses, right? So for instance, if you have an upcoming procedure planned, your insurance company is gonna cover a certain amount, but a percentage of that amount, you are gonna be responsible for, right? So for me, and with, it, with what I do as an assistant surgeon, the amount of, the way that I get paid is that I bill patients for the work that I do. Insurance companies used to pay, they don't pay anymore, or they don't pay an adequate amount to you know, keep me from starving to death. So I no longer deal with insurance companies, I have cut them out of the equation and I go directly to the patients. So in order for patients to have their procedures done with my um, services, they have to pay me. Well, a lot of patients are very upset about that. I would say the vast majority are very upset about that. I can't blame them because I also have been a patient. I also have been responsible for paying these fees to different practitioners. So I completely understand. I completely understand the frustration. Yes, insurance companies should be paying these bills. No, they do not pay these bills. You still need to have your procedure done and somebody's gotta pay. And unfortunately, for a long time, because I've been doing this business now since 2014, I have done a lot of work for free. And people don't even realize that. They always are surprised when I tell them that. And it's not just me, I'm not sitting here trying to toot my own horn at all. This was a standard within my business. Um, my colleagues were the same way. Uh, we would do a lot of work for free. Not every patient could afford to pay. So what would happen is the insurance companies, at the time when we would bill the insurance companies, and this is how the hospital system works, and I'm sure you guys know that, but those who can afford pay for those who cannot. So when we would get paid by the insurance companies for maybe, say, say I did 10 surgeries, I may get paid for three of those, and those would cover the other seven that didn't pay. This was before the laws changed. And so I, as a business owner, had to be able to allow my emotion to, well, let me take that back. Let me start over. When I'm running my business, I would get scheduled, I get a patient scheduled. And I find out either one, they didn't have insurance or they didn't have insurance that was going to reimburse me or they couldn't afford to pay their, their, um, the cost for my services. And I would feel bad and I would feel bad for them. I would feel bad for the surgeon who needed my help. And ultimately a lot of times I would just go ahead and do the work for free. On the other hand, my male counterparts would not, they did not feel sorry. Well, I don't know. I can't say they didn't feel sorry, but they didn't let their feelings um, rule their decision-making. They did not go in as often as I would and do this work for free. They, and what you're gonna, what I found at least was that they typically earned, out earned 
most women in the same profession. And I believe a lot of that is because they were a lot more um, firm about their value, their value that they were adding, and they weren't as willing to settle for nothing. So when we're talking about women being in positions of leadership, does that always apply? Does every woman have like a mushy heart who just doesn't know her value? Does every man have a strong, firm, cold, callous heart who does understand that he deserves to be paid for the work he does? No, it's not that way at all. And again, as my example, when I was talking about before is that I know plenty of men who work for free regularly. So that's not my argument. But I would say that from my own experience, men typically make decisions using emotion a lot less. So emotion plays a smaller role in the decision-making process for men than it does for women. I have boys and I have girls. And I can say for sure, at least within my family, that the boys' decisions are a lot less emotional than the girls' decisions. Same throughout my family. My cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my dad, mom, like men and women are different. We just are. It's important for women to be emotional creatures because we are in charge of nurturing and rearing children. So God made us this way. God made us softies. And that's a good thing. But what happens when you have a woman in a position of leadership and say she's running a country, she is the head of the country, the president, for instance, of the United States of America, and war breaks out. I don't know if a woman is going to make the same decisions and same choices as a man is going to make. Now, I was having this discussion with my husband just yesterday, and he gave me an example of women who have been leaders who did a good job in history. And so I'm not going to say that women cannot be successful leading our country or leading other countries, um, but I am curious if there is any validity to what Brandon is saying when he says that women should not run a country. Um, I don't, you know, I can't remember whether or not he said women should or shouldn't run companies, but he was specifically um, referencing being the leader of the United States. So being president of the United States. As I look at the women who have run for a president so far, since at least since I've been um, an adult, I have not been impressed by the candidates. I like them, some of them, I like them, but would I want them to be the president? No, no, none of them, not yet. But to be honest with you, I, I don't even like some of the presidential candidates either. So it's not even, it's not even so much that because of them being women, it's just because they have not been impressive to me. So the question is, should a woman be a leader over a man? On the other side of this break, let's talk some more about that question. Let's probe into it a little deeper and see what we can come up with 
you may not agree with my opinion, but that's okay. Let's have this debate. Let's have this conversation. So stay tuned. We're going to go to break really quick. On the other side of this break, we'll talk some more. It's time and this is This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. It's time 
welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and today we are talking about whether or not women should be in roles of leadership over men. In particular, I was referring to a comment that I heard Brandon Tatum make on his radio show earlier last week, where he said, in his opinion, a woman should not be a president of the United States because he doesn't believe that a woman should be in a position of authority like that over a man. When I heard him say it, I cringed a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I did. I cringed. But that is that I am the type of person who will push back against someone saying that I can't do something that they can do simply because I'm a woman. That is an area that I struggle with because I know that God has positions of authority. He has put things in place. So for instance, that God is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. Woman is over her children, right? So I want my children to respect me and I want And I need to respect my husband. My husband, of course, has to respect me as well. I mean, we have um, an equal relationship when it comes to collaborating, talking. He He values and loves and respects me. But ultimately, someone has to take the final position of authority. Even with your kids, when you think about it, you discuss things with them, especially when you have adult children. You're having discussions with your adult children. They're having their say, you have your say, but ultimately someone's going to have to be the final decision maker. And typically it should be the parent, at least in my family, I think that the parent's role is to be the final decision maker, even when they're adults. (laughs) They don't agree with that, by the way. That's just the way that I, that that I feel it should be. Um, But anyway. In my experience um, running business, I can. what I was saying before was that I did notice that my male counterparts typically were more successful, successful at running their businesses when it came down to like finance. They made more money than I made because they relied less on emotion. They were not as easily manipulated by emotion. If a patient didn't want to pay or if they knew that that wasn't going to be a case that was covered by insurance, they just weren't going to do it. And they weren't afraid to voice that. They weren't afraid to say to the provider, to the doctor, to the patient, I'm not doing this. Whereas a woman, me in particular, or but I know other women in the same position who were less likely to push back, who were, who felt sorry for. It was easy for us to be manipulated by our emotions, by our soft heart. And so when I was talking before the break about the idea of a woman being in a position of leadership and then going to war, right now we are currently um, dealing with the situation in Israel. So this is day three. This is day three of the war going on in Israel. And If I were the president right now, I think that it would be very difficult for me to make these types of life and death decisions. So in that respect, I think that men are just more equipped to deal with things like war, fighting, protecting the citizens, you know, these these physical altercations. Men are protectors in that way. I don't, 
think about it from a mother standpoint because you're gonna be i mean women most women who are you know in positions of leadership are also mothers and so when we're thinking about decisions that we're making we're thinking about it and how it affects our families how it affects our children if you've ever had a child or if you've ever you know even been around a child if you're an aunt or you just have little cousins or anyone, you know, I think your maternal instinct kicks in, whether you have given birth or not, women are maternal creatures. It's ingrained in us. And so when it comes down to war, what I'm thinking about is the suffering. I'm thinking about suffering. I'm seeing, I'm thinking about children right now. I'm thinking about those who've been kidnapped. I'm thinking about the potential of those who are being abused who are being raped, who are being beaten, who are being murdered. Um, and all of that is very, it's devastating and it triggers emotions. So if it were to come down to it and I needed to make decisions like we need to drop a bomb on this, you know, this particular city or this particular region, I'm going to be thinking about the devastation. I'm going to be thinking about the hearts that are going to be broken, the people who are going to be suffering. Um, I'm going to think about those people who are injured but not killed, who have to live with their injuries. I'm going to be thinking about all these things before I make that decision. And so it's going to be harder for me to make those impulsive decisions uh, or those split-second decisions that are necessary when you are in a position of leadership when you are the one responsible for protecting a group of people. And it's going to keep me up at night. I know that men and women are different when it comes to processing decisions. A lot more women seem to struggle to sleep at night when there's a lot going on in our minds. We have a hard time doing anything, even when it comes down to doing something as simple as being intimate, if we're thinking about other things like, oh my goodness, I need to get groceries, I need to clean, I need to get ready for this event, my kids have these things going on, like our mind doesn't shut up and it doesn't shut off. Whereas you can turn around and look at your husband after you've been having an argument or something and they just will turn over and go to sleep. And it's so easy for them to really turn their mind off, you know, and to compartmentalize things, which is important if you're going to lead a country. So I think about now the situation with this war in Israel and the fact that President Biden is in this position. And if it wasn't President Biden, say something happened and he was no longer able to fulfill his role, it would be Kamala Harris. Now, I don't think either one of them are equipped to deal with this, to be perfectly honest. So this is a really hard example to make, but Actually, I, I can't even make the example because neither one of them are equipped to handle this war. Um, but we are already going forward with things like we're sending over battleships and we're sending over military aid, of course, and all of the things that are necessary to help our allies. I'm just wondering what happens when you have a man in the position or in a role of leadership versus a woman and are we capable as women of making these really difficult decisions and and really just kind of pushing our emotion aside so uh, i was listening to a podcast with candace owens 
And she was talking about women in the workplace and how women have really kind of messed things up, messed up the workplace because we are very emotional creatures. So things that would normally be a non-issue for men because they're just not as sensitive as we are become very much an issue as far as, you know, intermingling the two men and women. I have to agree with her on that. There are things that we are far more sensitive to than men. Is it a good thing? I don't know. Um, I just, it just is. Let me give you an example at work, especially working in the operating room, people, you know, are working and it, it can be crass, especially depending on the, the, the specialty you're in. So if you're working with a lot of say orthopedic surgeons who are typically a bunch of bros, you know, dudes, guys, usually a room full of guys, not always, you know, there's lots of women who work in ortho, but mostly the doctors are, are men. They used to say some really uh, crass things. And if you were working with them, you just kind of had to deal with it and have a sense of humor and not be easily offended. That was back in the day. Now with HR, human resources, and people not being afraid to go to human resources and make complaints, they've definitely had to quell or tame the things that they talk about a lot. But that doesn't mean it always happens. So it's not uncommon to be in a room, into, in an operating room, and to hear someone make a really crass joke or something that may offend some people. Does it happen? Yes, it happens. Typically, the people who complain about it, though, are women. Usually the people who are going to human resources are not men. And so that's just another example of how women are very, um, a lot more sensitive. And when I look at what's moving our country forward in this movement, all these different woke agendas, it's you know, this stuff is being led by women who are compassionate and who are feeling and thinking that they want everything to be fair and that we should love everyone and all these things. Like we are really actually turning a whole generation of men into women. And that's problematic in my opinion, because we do need men to be men in order to lead us, especially in times of war. If you were to choose a leader, who would you want to lead you? Someone who was soft and empathetic and um, emotional, who cried easily, or would you want, and I'm not even, when I'm thinking about this description, I'm actually thinking about a man. So let's just say you have two different men here. You have one that is a very gentle man who um, has pushed back against the traditional masculine definition and he's, he's very in touch with his emotions and he is easily offended and he wants justice for all and love for all. Do you want him to lead us in battle? Or do you want someone who is more crass, who is more willing to offend people who is strong and is very, mm, he's not easily offended. His emotions are in check. Like which one of those people do you want to be the general? You know, that's something you got to think about. And so 
When it comes down to it, have I met harsh women? Oh my goodness, yes. Have I met some women who don't have, who seem to have no emotions? I absolutely have. But I've also met women who seem to have no emotions, but, but in reality, it's not that they don't have emotions. It's that they are just cold-hearted and vindictive. And that's the other thing that's different about women. I'm not trying to bash women, you guys, all the way, but I'm just going to call us out. I'm calling us out. You can disagree if you want to, but I'm going to just kind of give you another description of a woman in a position of leadership based on my own personal experience. And you just kind of tell me what you think about this. So there is someone, I'm not going to put too many details around it um, so that we don't have our internet sleuth figure out who I'm talking about. But there is a woman who is currently, has been um, promoted to a new position where she is over an entire group of people. So it's, it's a, a high position in education. And this particular woman has been working towards getting into this position for years. A lot of her colleagues believe that she is unqualified for the position. However, she was rubbing elbows with the right people and she was not um, afraid to be cutthroat in order to get where she wanted to go. And it takes that type of personality, not just in women, but men and women, if you wanna get into certain positions of leadership. You gotta be willing to go out there and pave the way and you might knock some people over and you might hurt some people's feelings along the way, but if you want it, you go for it. Well, in this particular position um, that she's in, her colleagues and those who are now going to be under her, who used to be at the same level, but now will be under her, don't trust that she is going to make decisions that are fair because they, they describe her as being very hateful. She, um, for instance, there are decisions that need to be made on behalf of the student population that will not get made in favor of the students because as a woman, she doesn't want to support other women growing or moving forward, moving up the ladder. So she's going to do her best to keep people down because she doesn't want to compete. I don't know if that's the same in men as it is with women, but I, in my own personal experience, have seen it happen a lot. If you've ever heard of the term crabs in a bucket, I remember my dad telling me that when I was younger, telling me about that 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 term where, you know, if you have crabs that are trying to climb out of a bucket, the other crabs will pull it back down so that it can't get out. And he was using that to help me understand how some people behave. So for instance, if you grew up in the hood and you're trying to get out of the hood, those who are still in the hood are going to pull, pull you back and try to prevent you from succeeding because they don't want to see you get out. That is similar, and I think a lot of women can probably relate to this description. A lot of women act like that, where if they see you succeeding and moving up the ladder, they're going to do their best to put um, roadblocks in your way. When I was going through my training to become a first assistant, the most 
difficulty I had with getting my experience came from women who, you know, there would be those women who were absolutely supportive and wanted to see, and I wasn't alone. I had a friend who I was doing this program with. There were those of our colleagues who were excited for us and doing everything they could to help us succeed. And then there were those who did everything in their power to pull us back down. And it was heartbreaking and it was frustrating. And at the same time, it was like, of course they would do that because that's what women do. Women are vindictive creatures. We are jealous creatures. We, and, and it's because of our emotions. And so now you think about this. You've got women running businesses or in positions of leadership where you need them to make objective decisions, not based on feelings, not based on emotions, but simply based on facts. And I can say from my experience, oftentimes that does not happen. Oftentimes it is common for women to use their emotion to base their decisions off of. So how does that help businesses grow? It doesn't. It doesn't. It creates a very mm, contentious environment. It's not a supportive environment where people feel like they can excel. And it should be. You should be able to help those around you, especially those who may just be exceptional you should be encouraging those people to grow and to flourish and to be better. Even if that means they are better than you and they grow past you, they run past you. You should be willing to help propel people forward in your position of leadership. And I think that's very, very hard for women to do. Um, it's not to say that not all men, I mean, some men, it's hard for them to do it too because human nature is that we are jealous creatures. But it seems like a lot more women are shady like that. And maybe because I'm a woman and I see it differently because they're my people, you guys are my people. But there's some things that we do that are shameful. Um, and I, even me, okay, I have to be able to self-reflect and look inside and say, am I making this decision based on jealousy? Am I making this decision based on obje objectivity? Can I be trusted to be in a position of leadership over men where I'm not allowing my emotions to take control? You know, it's, it's and again, also leadership positions are also um, personality. There's a certain type of personality that ends up in a leadership position. But to be successful and to be able to bring like a nation together, for instance, and we go back to thinking about a presidency. Should a woman be president? Can she bring a nation together? Can she bring unity? And um, I don't know. Do we have experience with it? Yes. Yes, we do. Women have to bring unity in the household. Women have to have unity and we have to be able to bring peace within our church families, within our extended families and our friend groups, women, you know, as educators, as caregivers, we are peacemakers as well. But on a large scale, when it comes to running an entire country, I'm not so sure. So I was thinking about like the debates 
Nikki Haley, sorry, but she's just not going to get my vote. I just don't think that she's capable of running this country. Um, there are some women that I've been very impressed by who weren't necessarily running for president. They were running for lower positions uh, within their states that I really think would do a great job. And I think that there are women in leadership positions that are qualified to be there. So in everything that I'm saying, please don't, don't get it the wrong way. Women and men together make good teams. But ultimately, I do think my old fashioned values are going to prevail here. And I'm going to say that we do need to defer to men when it comes to the ultimate authority. Will that always work out to our advantage? Absolutely not. It will not. There are going to be times when we are going to suffer under our leadership because our leaders make bad choices. But that's the same as our children suffering under our leadership as parents because we don't always make the right choices either, right? But we have to learn and grow and we have to take on our role, the role that God gave us, and we have to move in that role. I remember there was a time when... Um, when it was believed that women shouldn't be doctors. And that was a mistake because I know some of the best doctors are women. I can say personally that some of the best surgeons, actually the best surgeon that I work with is a woman. And I've worked with a lot of surgeons and I've seen a lot of skills and she just happens to be the best. And so I definitely don't want to take away from women being able to um, live out their dreams and use their gifts and talents that God gave them. And I don't want to see women not running their businesses and corporations because I definitely think that women can and do a phenomenal job running businesses and corporations. In fact, there was, um, I got a chance to watch a long form lecture on Lex Friedman with the former uh president of IBM or CEO of IBM, which was a woman. And she was magnificent and brilliant. And I was really, really impressed by her. And I think that she did great things for the company. And I had a lot of respect for her. So again, I'm not saying that women can't lead men, but should women lead men in every situation? I don't think so. And I think that that's one of the directions that we're moving towards as a society but I don't necessarily see it being a good thing. I think uh, we need to start working on building men up more, making sure that men are being men, behaving as they should, they were created to, and stop trying to make men act like women. We have our roles, they have their roles. And another thing that I will say is that from talking to women who have run companies and corporations and really made a lot of sacrifices in order to do that. They have great, they have their regrets. And so it goes to show you that we have this, just our genetic makeup is for us to be nurturing. And when we suppress that in order to achieve or accomplish goals that are related to business or you know, related to, you know, working, 
It doesn't always benefit us long-term. Short-term, sure. Will we be successful in the things that we do? Absolutely. But will we be happy as older women when we have decided to forsake those parts of us that's natural, which is to say caring for you know, other people? Not every woman is going to be a mother. Not every woman can be a mother, but a lot of women can nurture others, can take care of other people. And I just wouldn't want a lot of women to think that's the road, that's the path to happiness, because it's not necessarily the case. And a lot more women are speaking out and saying that. And so there's this debate online, and you'll see it, where you've got those who are moving toward this idea of, you know, pushing for women to to be autonomous and free, not have kids. It's this, you know, I don't have kids and look what I get to do because I don't have kids. And they are denigrating those who do. They're looking down on them and saying, you're, you're not as good as me because you have kids. And there's, so now there's this another, there's so many fights and so many debates and so many ridiculous divisive opinions being had all over the place and here I am adding to it <laughs> I'm adding to it with my my opinion on whether or not women should be president I don't know I don't know about that I mean <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched um Olivia Pope and um what was that show called um it was Scandal and so you remember when all the crap that was going on in Scandal, if you ever watched it. But do you remember when we finally had our female president? It was so much drama. And I know you guys. I know, I know, I know. It was just a show. It was Hollywood and it was all made up. But at the same time, just remember, a lot of that stuff that they talked about in Scandal actually ended up happening. You know, that whole... Um, um, predictive programming that people talk about where Hollywood shows us things in advance and it kind of gets our minds ready to accept something that's going to happen well I don't know if you guys remember this or not but in Scandal we had a president who was only president because they manipulated the machines the voting machines to get him into the presidency so he actually didn't win he lost but they manipulated the voting machines in Ohio to make it so he won and then there was this secret organization that was actually running the government and it wasn't actually the government and they had control of the president and then he ended up getting out of office and then there was all these scandals that happened and then ultimately his wife ended up becoming president it's like okay how many of those things actually happened to us? Think about that. Even in 24, do you guys remember 24, that show, where we had a black president? Well, after 24 aired, we had our first black president. So that whole thing with predictive programming, this is me with my little tinfoil hat on, I definitely think there is truth to it. I think that the, um, the secret whomever government or leadership cabal whatever it is that's actually running the world gives us little hints and clues 
on what's coming. Even when you think about how many times we had shows about zombies and the zombie apocalypse, I feel like I've always been wondering, where is that going to come into play? Well, I think we're starting to see that come into play. And we've talked about this in the past too, but I definitely think we're going to start to see a lot more of this, you know, zombie-like behavior happening all around us. But the other thing that I was thinking about was this. If you guys haven't seen the Barbie movie, I say go see it. Like, go ahead, bite the bullet, and rent that sucker on Amazon or buy it, whatever. But you need to see it if you haven't seen it already because there is some messages in the Barbie movie that I actually think is a part of the way out. And that sounds crazy, right? But there is some messages in the Barbie movie that I think could be the solution to our problems. How do we wake those up whose eyes are wide shut and their ears are not open to listening to the truth? Because those who are trying to take over our country and trying to change the fabric of our society are so close. They are so close to winning this battle. And the only way that we're going to stop them is if we, are to, if we do what they did in the Barbie movie. So if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But I really do see this as a potential for us. Like maybe that is Hollywood's way of saying, if you're paying attention, here's the anecdote. Here's how you prevent the future from being absolute destruction. Here's how you prevent the Kins from taking over and destroying everything that you thought you knew. Watch the movie, y'all. I promise you. It's worth it. And then maybe on, the, on a, another episode, we can talk about our plan on how we're going to get this thing going and see if we can save our world because it is on the brink of destruction. So thanks for listening to Nurses Out Loud. I hope you join us again tomorrow. You've got Nurse Beth, who is going to be your show host. As always, our goal here is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time.